Welcome to the Renewables Talent Lab, the number one catalyst for advancing careers and building high-performance teams in the renewable sector. Sponsored by the Anthony Michael Group, helping companies secure in-demand talent across the continuum from concept through commercialization and beyond in areas like energy storage, electric vehicles, hydrogen, solar, wind, and more. Here's your co-hosts, Mitch Robbins and Adam Sapi. Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode here on the Renewables Town Lab podcast. I am your co-host, Mitch Robbins, the founder and managing director here at the Anthony Michael Group, joined as always by my other co-host, Adam Sapi, who's the principal talent advisor here at the organization. We are excited to bring you this episode. We're talking with Mr. Seth Terry, an experienced entrepreneur and leader in his own right. For the last 25 plus years, Seth has had the opportunity to successfully scale and grow a variety of businesses. His experience is grounded in science and on-the-job experience. He's got his bachelor's degree from Princeton University. He's got his MBA and... On top of all that, he holds his PhD in environmental science and engineering from the Colorado School of Mines. Now, why is he on the show? Well, Seth has a passion for the renewable space and, of course, the race to reduce carbon emissions and lean on the growth and development of clean energy. He's serving as the CEO of New Day Hydrogen, which is a Colorado-based organization that seeds local hydrogen markets in North America with his proprietary hub starter hydrogen production and fueling system. These systems produce hydrogen fuel on site with just water and electricity and offer centralized fleets a rapid, affordable alternative to batteries in the transition to zero emissions. Seth, thanks so much for being here, man. How are you? Doing really well. And uh, thanks to Mitch and Adam, uh, both of you guys, for uh, for having me here. Yeah, well, there's so many exciting things to talk about, especially with what's going on with your organization, New Day Hydrogen. And we want to get into all that stuff as well. But I mentioned, you know, you've been doing this for a long time. You've had the opportunity to be a consultant, be an advisor to a variety of different businesses. You've helped build businesses, you know, pretty much from the ground up as a founder. And so to kind of give our audience a really clear picture of how you got to where you are today and all the exciting things ahead, I think we got to go first back in time and talk about your formative years. So if you wouldn't mind, Seth, we'd love to know kind of where you got your start. What was uh, family life like growing up? Where'd you grow up? Things like that. Uh, great. Well, uh, thank you. I, uh, I I grew up in the great state of uh, Colorado, and uh, quite frankly, that has a, a lot to do uh, with uh, with who I am and what I do right now. I uh, spent a lot of time uh, up in the mountains, whether uh, hiking, camping, uh, skiing. Uh, also had a great opportunity as a child to spend time uh, outdoors in the Boundary Waters uh, between the United States and Canada. Uh, they're doing uh, fishing and uh, canoeing. So I have a real appreciation uh, for uh, being out in the natural environment uh, and for protecting that environment and uh, really have a, a strong ethos of uh, leave no trace. Uh, it's one that uh, I would like to you know, follow for myself. And then, of course, uh, thinking about those who come uh, come after. I have uh, children which who, whom I brought onto this planet, and I'd like to leave it in as good a place as I can for them when they take over. That's awesome. And, you know, we were speaking offline. I know that you have a sibling, a sister. Are you the the oldest or are you the youngest? Yeah, I'm the, I'm the oldest. Uh, and yes, she's uh, she's very much uh, attuned to the, uh, you know, the climate crisis uh, that we're in and uh, it's part of a lot of what she does as well. Does that, the fact that you say that she's got that similarity with you, was that instilled in your family somewhere along the line or how did you guys, you know, have that similar passion for this? Yeah, that's really interesting because uh, my, my parents are not, uh, you know, terribly uh, involved with outdoor activities, uh, but that's this is where we grew up. And I think we grew up at a pretty unique time here. Uh, yeah, there was a, uh, uh, it's still not quite the population pressure that uh, that we see today. 
Uh, and so there was there was just a, a lot of uh, you know natural open environment uh, almost right out the door. That's awesome. And so you know you mentioned obviously you're you're the oldest child. You're a rare bird that you actually grew up here in Colorado as opposed to you know being transferred here from somewhere else, right? As they say, like me, like Adam. Mitch, Mitch and I are the jerks that jam up the traffic and uh, drive up housing prices. We're the transplants that everyone hates. Oh uh, man! But as you grew up, you know what held your interest outside of school? Were you into sports, into music? What were you into? Yeah, definitely uh, music and sports actually. Uh, so amazingly, a uh, classically trained uh, musician, a pianist, and uh, uh, something that I would love to uh, unlock a little bit more and become a real musician as I get older, uh, be able to get away from uh, you know note reading and being the more of the technician that I am in music and become a, a true musician. So that's a that's a lifelong passion as well. Uh, also been involved with athletic activities, you know, from baseball, football, ultimately into uh, lacrosse as I got older. That's awesome. Well, we both definitely share a love for music. There's no doubt. And Adam and I were both in sports uh, growing up as well. You know, this science piece and music seem to go hand in hand for a lot of people, right? And there's it's even rooted in size that it helps. You know, that's is the same piece of the brain. The left left when brain. When you yeah. were growing up, were you into science as a kid too? Uh you know, really from a, a, a that ecology and environmental, uh, you know, services uh, type of perspective, if you will, the, the services that the natural environment provides us, clean air, clean water. Uh, so uh, from that perspective, yes, uh, I certainly thought that I was going to uh, go into medicine uh, as I was uh, going through high school. Uh, ultimately, when I got to college, it uh, didn't really feel like quite the fit that it had. Uh, so I, I took a, a hiatus from, uh, from science and uh, math at that point, focusing really on uh, history and languages. I mentioned all the advanced degrees that you've had. Why'd you keep going? Why'd you choose to do an MBA and obviously get your PhD in engineering and environmental science? Well, like I said, I, I took a hiatus when I was in college, so I was uh, very much in the liberal arts sector, but yeah. uh, appreciated that I, I wanted to get into uh, ultimately into environmental work. And uh, so I, I quite frankly had to uh, spend some time retooling and I uh, was very fortunate to be able to do that uh, within the University of Colorado system, uh, UC uh, here in Denver, and uh, ultimately to uh, then be able to be accepted into a graduate program at the Colorado School of Mines. That's awesome. Do you feel that if you look back, do you feel like it was worth the time to go and get your MBA as well? Yes, uh, absolutely. It was, uh, you know, one of those pieces that I just I, I needed to you know, backfill a little bit on just to have that uh, kind of global understanding of what was going on with uh, business. I mean, for some people, I guess it's uh, entirely intuitive. Uh, you know, for me, I just uh, I definitely uh, benefited from having that, uh, you know, presented to me and having that different perspective coming out of my PhD. Yeah. You know, I, I mentioned, obviously, you're writing this company, New Day Hydrogen, right now. And I kind of want to fast forward and focus a lot of the conversation here. Yeah. Tell us, where did this idea come from? If you, I mean, I gave a very slim explanation of what the company's doing, but if you wouldn't mind elaborating, like, where did the idea come from? What are you guys so excited about? There's so much in the news from you guys as far as these grants that you're being awarded, which I want to yeah. get into, but if you would take us kind of to the, the core of where the idea come from and, and what's going on. That'd yeah, be awesome. well, I mean, it really, I guess it really does spring well from that, uh, you know, my own uh, origin story, just you know, for me personally, uh, in that, uh, you know, I, I, I knew uh, that humans obviously had a significant impact on, uh, on the environment, uh, you know, figured that there was, uh, you know, environmental 
environment was the place where I started uh, with all of this, but ultimately, you know, appreciating that the, you know, we really needed to get back at some of the root causes. So I spent my graduate work looking at water, uh, came out of and, and did my first endeavor as a, in, in venture as a looking at food and animal feed production using uh, upcycled residuals, upcycled nutrients uh, from food and beverage wastewaters, uh, turning those into a protein for animal feed. But when I exited out of that in 2016, I had a great opportunity to reevaluate and, uh, you know, really what's moving the dial here and, you know, what's causing such incredible acceleration in terms of our impact on the planet and impact on the climate. And, you know, no great uh, surprise, it's energy and our relationship to energy. So yeah. uh, I, we, I part as part of that really looked at hydrogen and renewables back in 2016-17. Uh, timing wasn't quite right uh, as uh, President Trump was taking us out of Paris in uh, uh, the Rose Garden speech. Uh, also, there were a lot of questions around, you know, could renewables truly penetrate the grid to a significant degree? You know, were electric vehicles uh, really something that were, were, were going to be uh, become a real option for, you know, both consumers and for fleets? And so with that in mind, uh, you know, was able to come out and uh, did another founding team uh, in energy efficiency and IoT came out from, uh, from that experience. And in 2020, was able to uh, put together uh, New Day Hydrogen along with uh, some founders, coalescing around the the, the beliefs and the understanding that hydrogen was going to play a significant role in decarbonization and in climate in addressing some of the the climate change uh, factors that we're in right now and then it really took us uh, you know some time we we, we unpacked uh, you know where we saw the market going and where the uh, role of hydrogen would be able to play most economically at the earliest stage and that's how we settled on working with uh, transportation and uh, centralized uh, distributed or uh, centralized fleets and distributed production of hydrogen for those fleets that's awesome. And tell us, we want the audience to hear the great news. Obviously, you've been pounding the pavement as far as your fundraising initiatives, and you just had a huge win. Well, why don't you share with us uh, what the huge win was? Yeah, well, uh, I'll, I'll back up just a little bit because uh, we had an intermediate win in there uh, from, again, the uh, state of Colorado. Uh, we were uh, recipients of a, a OEDIT Advanced Industries Award back in uh, a year ago. And uh, that gave us you know, something really great uh, to go speak to the investment community about. It did require a match, and that's something that we've been working working hard to do. Uh, as you know, uh, the markets uh, uh, in, uh, in venture capital in particular uh, have been very, very tough over the last year. And I would say, you know, we're yeah. as a hardware a company or a project uh, company, and you know, we fall into a place where it's even a little bit harder for us. And so uh, we spent, uh, you know, this last year really working hard to make that grant award match. And uh, the really great news is that uh, we had also been continuing all of our work uh, with respect to building up our relationships with fleets, uh, working on prospective projects, uh, continuing to go out and look for other grant opportunities. And we had submitted an application to the U.S. Department of Transportation. And within uh, the last uh, fortnight, that came in uh, favorably. So we are a part of a $9 million grant award uh, in concert with Colorado State University to put three hydrogen fueling stations at their, in association with their three campuses along I-25, uh, the I-25 corridor. Uh, so it is a uh, fantastic opportunity. It, uh, we are so excited for that. It is, uh, has definitely stimulated uh, the investment that we've been looking for uh, to make our match. And uh, we are excited to take it to this uh, next step of actual implementation. Uh, the last thing I'll say about that is that, uh, you know, really validates a component of what we've been uh, suggesting with our model in that we can implement small 
scale stations and that each one of those stations ultimately can become a node in what becomes an emerging organic network around uh, hydrogen fueling. And, you know, I think thought about it ourselves that each of these stations might be regionally distinct, if you will, or in, 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 uh, in areas that aren't necessarily together. The beauty of this particular grant opportunity is that we will be able to put those three stations uh, along the I-24, uh, I'm sorry, I-25 corridor here in Colorado. And, you know, really they, that is in itself a, a very small, uh, modest, but uh, important network that we'll be putting together. Huge. I mean, it's awesome. It's, uh, congratulations to you and the team. Obviously, your hard work has continued to pay off and people obviously believe in the huge value that the company is going to represent. Now, this is primarily focused on commercial v, uh, fleets, medium and, and heavy duty trucks for the most part. Is that right? Indeed. Uh, yeah. So there are lots of applications, uh, you know, certainly out in California, better than a decade of experience uh, fueling passenger light duty vehicles. We just didn't feel like that was the market that was going to be most appropriate uh, for propagation outside of California. Uh, California has been able to invest uh, heavily in their network uh, and kind of grow that up and uh, use that almost as a lure to bringing in, you know, uh, consumers to purchase their the, the vehicles and, and stimulate demand. Uh, we felt that, you know, there in most other uh, most other geographies, it really wasn't going to be a case of uh, the state building up a network from scratch. Uh, rather, it was going to have to be, as I said, that more of that demand-driven uh, organic approach. And so that's why we uh, looked at, you know, who could be the best uh, beneficiaries uh, from uh, hydrogen fueling, and it really got down to uh, these larger uh, fleets uh, that are that would be. Looking at hydrogen at zero emissions opportunities uh, for their for their trucks and buses and uh, and medium duty vehicles. Uh, Places where, uh, quite frankly, brand, uh, batteries do have a little bit uh, of, a, of a tougher road to go in terms of matching with those uh, those needs. And I know Adam, you know, Adam does his own in-depth research in this space as well. I know he's got a couple questions for you, but Adam, before I hand it to you, man, Seth, you just had a great segue for my other question. We're seeing kind of some of the challenges that EVs are presenting and how dealerships were stocking up on this and these incentives from the government to buy. And we're seeing that there's a slowdown and that there's some bottlenecks here. Where do you see the challenges ahead as it relates to rolling out this this hydrogen technology what what's on your mind uh, well, I mean, it, it's it's about finding those places where uh, where hydrogen complements other zero emissions uh, uh, initiatives that are going on, and you're really you know working uh, you know with uh, those fleet customers to identify you know where it is that uh, that they're going to have gaps uh, with batteries. For us, you know, there are specific challenges related to hydrogen, and we tried to address those with our business uh, approach. Uh, specifically, you know, we're we're talking about uh, needing to be able to serve a small number, a very modest number of vehicles in the earliest stages of rollout for hydrogen and hydrogen fueling, hydrogen vehicles and hydrogen fueling. To us, that's just, that's the logic of it. Uh, you know, you have fleets, they're going to want to look at this more at a uh, kind of pilot level rather than making a full commitment just because it, it is new to them. Um, there hasn't been up until now the opportunity to marry a small scale production of hydrogen uh, with the small scale offtake that is required. Uh, there are lots of exciting announcements, uh, particularly a bunch of them that came out during the pandemic at about the time we were forming our company for much larger scale projects, you know, tons of uh, hydrogen per day that would need to, you know, find an offtake uh, with the hopes that you could drive down that that price of, of hydrogen. We've really gone with a very different approach where we're, we're trying to, as I say, scale down to what we see as the, you know, more of the, the single, you know, two, three, four type of vehicle commitments that any fleet might be able to make uh, to try to aggregate those around uh, early public facing stations 
nations so that uh, different fleets could share that resource and be able to do it in a way that we get to sufficient utilization of the uh, station that we're putting in, the capital that we're putting in, so that we can get a, get a payback on that while still providing affordable fuel uh, to our customers. That's awesome. Adam, I'll turn it to you, man, because I know that you've got some uh, burning questions to, to bring up for Seth as well. R- really fired up with this. I mean, the transportation piece, I mean, driving an EV, for example, for with our family to Telluride, let's say. I mean, the coal, we know, zaps the battery. You've got to find where the charging stations are. There's, there's some logistic uh, logistical things that are, are a challenge for sure. And so, that, I mean, hydrogen, I'm very excited about, you know, the whole rainbow, uh, green hydrogen, blue hydrogen, and, and so forth, so forth. Obviously, it's an exciting time for, for New Day. I think it's an exciting time for Colorado in general. This morning, as I'm shoveling snow, I was listening to a podcast with Dr. Will Tour uh, over at the Colorado Energy uh, Energy Office. He does a lot of work with Governor Polis. So you, you probably a name you're, you're familiar with, but it's just amazing to hear all of the laws that have been passed, I think 15 in one year or something like that. Everything that's been done in Colorado, shoot, in the last two or three years, a little hitch with COVID, but it seems like this is really an exciting time and probably a time where we'll look back when we're older and gray or older and grayer in my case, but uh, and, and go, wow, that, that was a really pivotal moment. Is there anything that you would like to add in terms of where we are today and, you know, maybe some bold predictions five or 10 years out. Yeah, I, I just, I, I do. I, I share that uh, that optimism and enthusiasm uh, with you because it, it does really feel like, you know, we're at a, a moment in time and, and maybe a particularly good uh, location here in Colorado, you know, for being able to deploy, uh, you know, some of these solutions. Yeah. You know, but I, I, I think that even, you know, more broadly speaking, I mean, I, I feel like this environmental and climate uh, piece is something that I, you know, went in to on faith that of course this is, you know these are problems that we were going to solve you know right away you know coming out of college coming out of graduate school uh, it's taken a little bit longer on that uh, front and you yeah. know Maybe it's just that it's, it's taken, uh, you know, maybe our generation just wasn't particularly good at being able to articulate the the need here. But it seems like, uh, you know, people that are just uh, coming up behind us are much better at doing that and accepting yeah. that we uh, really do face a significant challenge here. And so, you know, I do get excited and there's plenty. And, you know, one of the things that informed our approach is the technology is all here to do it. I mean, it really kind of gets back to the Jiggershaw creating climate wealth model, whereby it's really about how do you deploy these solutions? into the marketplace, even if they're not, you know, perfect uh, solutions day one, uh, that they will improve over time. But, you know, do not let the enemy, uh, the perfect be the enemy of uh, good here yeah. in this case. Uh, get them out in the market, get them out at, you know, kind of in this uh, agile mode where you can, you know, do it on a relatively prosaic scale and then benefit from the learnings that you do as uh, that you get from those smaller scale implementations as you scale more broadly al- along with the market demand. And iterate and grow. Yeah, that's very... Uh, is amazing. So, Seth, what's next for New Day? We just mentioned, you know, the big news with uh, another boost of funding and this grant work, and you guys are being tasked with installing these charging stations along the I-25 corridor. What's the next step for the organization at this point? Yeah, in some ways it, it changes everything. In other ways, we're gonna you know keep up uh, with the north star that we'd set up for ourselves. You know, it's we're we're, we're in this favorable position, like you said, of being able to put in the fueling infrastructure along I-25. Uh, we've also had some excellent uh, conversations with folks uh, with partners, our LOI partners uh, up in North Boulder, 
and are looking at that as being one of our uh, next implementations, not associated with this grant, but uh, another great place uh, that, that where we can look. Beyond that, you know, we've had excellent conversations outside of Colorado, both coasts. Uh, we've been on in, in Virginia, for example, associated with the port there, ports in uh, in in the state of Washington, inland ports in the Upper Midwest, uh, and even up into Canada along the Transcan Highway. So there are a lot of places here that are we're seeing ability to implement our, our small scale micro hub approach rather uh, and be able to, to propagate that. And so and that's completely consistent with uh, everything that we have been doing and uh, and with what we see as our, our future going forward. That's great. I, I want to wrap up by answering a question that's completely off task here, but I think it's a really important one for our listeners. You know, the show is built on the, with the premise, all things talent, whether you're building high performing teams, scaling organizations, catalyzing your career. And I think it'd be foolish for us to get off the show without talking to you about some of that, you know, some of that element as far as talent and leading and, and building a company. You know, I'm a founder. I have family who are founders. I see the stress that they go through building their organizations. This isn't your, your first rodeo. You're out there pounding the pavement for financing. You've got this passion for what you call the North Star, what your vision is, and you hit roadblocks along the way. At the same time, you have a family that you're raising. How do you manage all this, man? How do you manage the stress when it's like, you know, things kind of come and punch you in the face, yet you got to get up and live to fight another day? Uh, yeah, well, th you, you appreciate it, you know, because you, you, you've been there and you've done that. And I just, uh, you know, there's something uh, either very right or very wrong with the DNA of uh, founders and people that are willing to do this. And, uh, you know, and then, and then it also just takes, you know, some remarkably, uh, you know, good luck in that. And I, I'm so fortunate to have, uh, you know, backing, you know, from my family, uh, my long suffering uh, wife uh, in particular here. Uh, I know Buford would say the same uh, on his side. And I think that that's just a really a, a consistent, necessary component for a lot of entrepreneurs. I'm on the very you know negative side of that too. You know, a lot of entrepreneurs uh, will will lose uh, uh, marriages and lose uh, you know lose some of their contact with their family, and that's something I've worked very hard to you know try to balance as best as I, I could going through. But nobody gets anywhere on their own. Uh, we all you know have got uh, something uh, that you know so many things that have, have led us where we are. I mean, I've just I've been you know so fortunate in so many different places in my life to have other people supporting me as I as I was able to pursue my dreams. And uh, I'm pinching myself today uh, that I get to be where I am and doing what I'm doing, exactly what I want to do. And I hope uh, able to do this you know, for the next 20 or 30 years. That's awesome. And, and I appreciate that. I think support is everything. And I strongly believe that we don't get to where, we're at, where we are today without others kind of serving as a, a support mechanism. Anything in particular you want to call out that you do to try and stay grounded yourself? Is there any th outlets that you really like, hey, when I've had a terrible day at work or the sky seems to be falling, like things that you kind of leverage to keep yourself sane? It's interesting because you you hit on it early. You know, it's, it's, that, it's that athletic piece. Uh, I just, it, it's a physical activity. It's, uh, you know, getting back uh, in, into the outdoors whenever uh, I do have an opportunity to do it. And, uh, you know, it's my mental health uh, is uh, being able to do that. You know, I, will, I can certainly retreat into my uh, family as well, uh, you know, rely upon them to you know, help talk me down from the parapet sometimes. But uh, ultimately, you know, we're all responsible for ourselves. And, you know, when it comes down to my own personal mental health, you know, get on that bike, get in that yoga studio, whatever it is, go out skiing, you know, just do it uh, if you're if you're in trouble. Yeah. 
you got to keep that mental health thing going. Not everybody can see uh, Adam's big, bright smile happening as you're talking, but that's one of, I know Adam would would say it out loud that obviously that's a huge outlet for him. And we joke about how, you know, tough days make your workout that much better. And it's something that I struggle with. I, I'm not as habitually stable with it as far as the working out piece, but I know it's huge. It really is. It's a great way to let off steam. Um, as well, well as reconnect you with nature too. Here. If it's okay with you, we're going to put a link to New Day Hydrogen on the show notes. Oh, please do. And encourage people who are interested to learn more more to reach out to you. Otherwise, we're thrilled that we're here locally with you, kind of watching the success uh, from the sidelines and wish you guys nothing but the best coming forward. Well, I really appreciate it. And thanks so much. Uh, what about a great interview? I really uh, appreciate the, uh, the the questions that you guys provided. It, it ranged a lot more than I anticipated. And that's, that's awesome. Awesome. Thanks, Seth. Thank you, Dr. Terry. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Renewables Talent Lab podcast. For more content-rich episodes, log on to theanthonymichaelgroup.com or subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform.